Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have uh, a couple of things to start off with. The first one is people or women who have called out sexism online. Yeah. First one, social norms have not changed. We never liked you touching us without our permission. So please stop convincing yourself that it's a new world. It's the same world. I just don't have to lose a job for telling you to get your hands off me. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. In 1943, upon arrival at Auschwitz, Jewish ballerina Francesca Mann stripped distractingly, stole an SS guard's pistol, and shot him dead. Mann was able to wound another guard in the stomach before being killed. The other women took her attack as a signal to rebel. According to some accounts, before the women were murdered, they were able to scalp one Nazi and tear the nose off another. Nice. I always hated the false Holocaust narrative that all Jews went passively to their death and think we must remember those who fought. Yep. Uh, Next one. This is like a newspaper headline or an article headline. It says, do women like being sexually harassed? Men in new survey say yes. Oh, my God. And someone commented, do humans like being eaten alive? Sharks in new survey say yes. (laughs) This next one is a, it's a newspaper article, and it looks like, um, you know how the small newspapers have, like, rants and raves mm-hmm. that people write in? Yeah. This, um, this is a little girl who wrote in. She said, my name is Julianne Spire. I'm 12 years old and would like to inform you of how offended and disappointed I am by the announcer of the Chesterland Fourth of July Parade's comment about the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. The announcer labeled the Boy Scouts as future leaders of America, and he said the Girl Scouts were just having fun. Oh, my God. I found this comment very sexist and patronizing. I would appreciate it if you would help me to let other people know how much this kind of thing happens and how bad it is. I feel it's an insult to both girls and women of all ages. This kind of thing happens way too much, and it is not okay at all. I have always been taught that if you think something is unjust, change it. So this is how I'm making a change. Thank you for listening to me, and I hope you can help me. Julianne Spire. Little 12-year-old girl, and she is like voice of reason. Imagine that. (laughs) Uh, Next one is a tweet. My favorite Bible story is when instead of telling women to dress modestly, Jesus tells dudes to avoid lust by plucking their eyes out. (laughs) Um, this one I had to read a couple of times, so let me know if it doesn't make sense to you. It, uh, this is from a dude. He wrote, female privilege is getting to claim a headache to avoid sex. And a woman replied, female oppression is having to claim physical illness to avoid sex because men won't take a simple fucking no for an answer. Female oppression is men being so entitled that they think being denied sex is oppressive. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) This one, it looks like it may be from Facebook or Twitter. Women, I want to go for a run. Society to women, you can't go alone, you'll get raped. Women, I want to walk to my car in the parking garage. Society, you mean you want to walk through the rape box alone? 
You better find a security guard to escort you or you'll get raped. Women, I want to live alone. Society, you better get a gun and a dog and a gun for your dog so you also have to uh, have an alarm for when the rapist comes. Women, what about the park? Society, you mean rape central? (laughs) Women, okay, out for a drink then? Society, don't think about taking your eyes off your drink, date rape drug and all, but also keep your eyes peeled for rapists. Woman, I was raped. Society, hmm, are you sure? Seems highly improbable. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is a tweet. It says, men being surprised that women also enjoy sex is just disturbing. Like, y'all have been having sex with women believing they didn't enjoy it and you were comfortable with that? Of course they were. <laughs> okay, this one uh, looks like a tweet from a dude. Unnatural hair colors in women are a warning signal to stay away. It's an example of aposematism, which is the phenomenon of poisonous animals in nature advertising their toxicity and, and lethality. Whatever. Then this uh, woman replies... Aposematism is to ward off predators, not sexual partners. If you're repelled by it, it's working. (laughs) Okay. This one was on Facebook, and a dude wrote it. No man working 40 hours a week want to come home to a hot pocket and fruit punch. Um, Then I guess you better make your own damn dinner. A woman commented, no woman working 40 plus hours a week want to come home, sweep, mop, dust, vacuum, wash, and fold laundry, scrub tubs, toilets, cook a damn pot roast with sides, and have to clean the freaking kitchen, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Left out taking care of the kids, too. Uh, Yeah, exactly. This one is a, it looks like it might have been a newspaper article or like a a internet article, whatever. It says, preacher carrying a, quote, you deserve to be raped sign, hit over the head by baseball bat wielding woman. And this woman on Twitter uh, comments, why was he walking in such an unsafe area of town? What? That's what men say to women when they're... Oh, okay, so, I get it uh, Why are you in such a bad area? <laughs> This is a tweet. It says, if lesbians can control themselves when girls are wearing revealing clothes, but guys can't, maybe the problem is not the clothes. Uh, It never has been. No. This one is a tweet. I'm going to start saying male journalist, male comedian, and male engineer so people start to hear how fucking stupid it sounds. (laughs) They do. It's always female journalist, Uh female comedian. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, Next one, it's always amazed me how, quote, I have a boyfriend is the strongest card to get guys to stop harassing me because they'll respect a man they don't know before they respect the woman in front of them. Mm -hmm. Such bullshit. Next one, something I heard a lot growing up. Girls, boys mature more slowly than you, so make allowances for them. Something I never heard. Boys, girls mature more rapidly than you. Look to them as examples of intelligence and leadership. Okay, those were those. And I did want to do just a couple from this other list. 
And these are things that kids these days will never be able to relate to. Mm. And there's just a few of these. Okay. Uh, First one is today's kids will never know what it's like before everyone had cell phones and you had to use your family's home phone to call your friend's home phone and ask their parents if they could talk, if you could talk to your friend. Oh my gosh, I remember that. I know, I hated it. I was always so happy when they answered. I wanted my own phone so bad. I remember that. I was not allowed (laughs) until I was 16. I remember that. I was so jealous. You had your own phone in your room. I was so excited. And then, like, you moved out like a year later. (laughs) Well, you know. Uh, Next one. Kids today will never know the unique horror of buying an album for the single and finding out the rest of it sucks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I remember that, too. Now, when you say album, do you mean actual, like, like a record? I was thinking a tape, but yeah, okay, like tape. the whole, you had to buy the whole yeah. thing to, you know, yeah. listen. And when you did play it, if you didn't like the song, you had to fast forward. Yeah. Until you, until the other song started, you couldn't just push a button and it automatically go to the next right, song. Right. Yeah. You had to guess how long it was, mm-hmm. fast forward, then you got, went too far. So you had to rewind it a little. <laughs> We had it so rough. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have to press a button. God damn it. <laughs> For an extended amount of time. We just wait there. <laughs> well, it did its thing. What is that? We didn't have remotes either. No. You had to get up. Yes. And it always shocked you. <laughs> And everything had to be plugged into the wall. Yeah. Okay. Next one is a picture of big ass car with big ass TV on top. It says today's kids will never know the feeling of sitting at your desk and seeing your teacher wheeling this into the room. Oh, a cart. I thought you said car. No. I was like, why is there a TV on a car? <laughs> no, I remember the TV on the cart. Yes, that was so, I loved it. I oh, like, I know. I was yes. like, right on. Nap time. <laughs> uh, it says, grab a pencil. Today's kids will never know the struggle of the tape getting stuck in the radio. Oh, yeah. Yep. And those pretty much were it. It's not showing me all of them for some, I guess it's because it's on my phone. But those are mine for the beginning. <laughs> There's so many things that kids these days don't have to deal with that we had to. No idea. No idea. You had to be your dad's remote. Yeah. And you had to watch whatever everyone else was watching. Or whatever was available because we never had cable or anything. So we had like, what, four channels? Yeah. So it was basically cartoons. Yeah. Cartoons are the news. Yeah. Until you got older and then you started watching what your parents watched. Yeah, Forensic Files mm-hmm. and Seinfeld and MASH. Ugh, hated MASH. I hated MASH. <laughs> hated Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy probably did that on purpose, though, so nobody would come in the probably. living room. <laughs> Watch us all scatter when yeah. he turned the TV on. And I will never forget... He would turn on Looney Tunes Mm -hmm. and just crack up. But (laughs) I remember sitting there thinking, it's like, it's not that funny. I don't understand. I know. (laughs) 
All right. I did 10 historical people who were real life magicians. That's awesome. I'm excited. If you think magic is just for Dungeons and Dragon Dragons players and Chris Angel, you're sadly mistaken. Magic is totally real. It was totally practiced by totally real people who lived in history. <laughs> the first one is Nicholas Flamel. This Flamel. Flamel. Oh. He's on Harry Potter. That's the only reason I know. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't even remember that from Harry Potter. <laughs> well, that's not saying anything. No, that was. I don't ever remember I think, anything. I think it was the first one or the second one. Whichever one, the stone. That was the first one, I think. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, he was like, they were trying to find, he created this stone. Oh. And they were trying okay. to figure out who Nicholas the, Flamel was. The Philosopher's Stone? Is that one of the movies? No, it's a Sorcerer's Stone. That was the first one. Oh, well, this is, he did the, okay. <laughs> so, Nicholas Flamel. Okay. This 13th century scribe was known throughout Paris for his fine manuscripts, but it took a few centuries for people to realize a few books of alchemy. Huh? That didn't make sense, but apparently he wrote a couple oh, okay. alchemy, alchemy, alchemy. Uh, books. Okay. These books included an introduction which casually mentioned that Flamel had also created the Philosopher's Stone, a magic item that could turn lead into gold. After researching a mysterious book in an unknown language, he had purchased and deciphered. Ooh, Not bad. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Roger Bacon. A 14th century monk was one of the leading scientific minds of his day, figuring out how to fit Aristotle's philosophy and scientific theory into Christianity. No small feat. Which he actually sent to the Pope. He's considered to have figured out the ingredients of gunpowder, and was a leading researcher of optics and lenses. He was also said to have predicted cars, planes, and submarines. Admittedly, all of this was probably easier since he was also said to have a giant talking robot head that could answer any question someone asked. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Scott. From the office? <laughs> it says, alas... Not the manager of the Dunder Mifflin's oh, okay. branch. This other Michael Scott, instead, was a wandering scholar and priest who traveled the world in the early 1200s. In addition to learning Greek, Latin, Arabic, and Hebrew, he studied alchemy, astrology, and may have helped Fibonacci create his famous sequence. I don't know. We're not smart. So. No. In his off hours apparently he would turn covens of witches into stone fought demons and then kicked back with friends by having spirits bring them meals from the kitchens of the french and spanish courts tragically all this magic got him stuck in the level of hell reserved for wizards as noted by dante in the divine comedy <laughs> william the second dussol the scottish border noble actually joined the English court in 1304, but switched sides during the War for Scottish Independence in 1314. Unfortunately, he was caught plotting to steal the Scottish throne of King Robert, confessed his treason, and was killed. Supposedly, DeSole was taught black magic by Michael Scott, and even given a magical familiar, a goblin named Robin Redcap. In true Dungeons & Dragons style, 
Some historians think later people confused William II de Saulles with Sir Randolph de Saulles, who was also supposed to have practiced black magic. The locals boiled that de Saulles alive, so honestly, neither of them had a particularly happy ending. Oh, gosh. Rabbi Judah Lobenbazelo. Elected chief rabbi of Poland in 1592, Judah was a tireless fighter for the Jewish community, even fighting his fellow Jews who would needlessly denounce other families on claims of legitimacy. It's easy to see how he developed a reputation for protecting his people from all anti-Semitism, even before the Holy Roman Emperor decided that the Jews inside the ghettos of Prague needed to be expelled and or killed. The rabbi created a golem to protect his people and kick anti-Semitic asses. Made of clay, the golem came to life because the rabbi knew how God created Adam, and it was sort of the same deal. The golem could also turn invisible and summon other spirits from the afterlife, so it was pretty effective, except on the Sabbath, when, of course, the rabbi let it take the day off. Hmm. Uh, six and seven is John D. and Edward Kelly. Dee was the advisor and tutor to the first Queen Elizabeth who desperately wanted to communicate with angels and demons. Kelly was a medium who could summon angels and demons and talk to them. Together they made quite the occult dynamic duo, as Dee really wanted to learn the language of the angels. With help from Kelly, a new language was in fact provided to Dee, called Enochian, and similarities to other languages were of course because the angels were speaking the original language, before the Tower of Babel shenanigans. Eventually, a rift developed between the two when Kelly wanted to start devoting his time to transmuting lead into gold while Dee was stuck on the angel thing. Strangely, at that point, an angel told Kelly that he and Dee should totally have sex with each other's wives. Oh. Dee stopped talking to the angel at that point, but still <laughs> let Kelly sleep with his wife, you know, what? just in case an angel told him to. Oh, okay. <laughs> These are weird people. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, Baal Shem, a.k.a. Rabbi Hayim Samuel Jacob Falk. Wow. His feats were many. He could teleport items, once saved a synagogue from burning down by writing a Hebrew word on it, could go weeks without food or drink, and could fill his cellar instantly with coal with a simple spell. He could instantly tell where treasure was hidden, and if he sold something to a pawnbroker, that item would fly back to him later that day in what seems to be a magical interpretation for an unflattering Jewish stereotype. Once, when he was traveling in a carriage and a wheel fell off, the wheel followed him all the way to his destination. After nearly, nearly getting burned at the stake for sorcery in Westphalia, Falk decided to move to London in the 18th century. Well, I would move, too. Yes. Number nine is the Count of St. Germain. This learned courtier rose to prominence in European society in the 18th century. He claimed to be the son of a prince. He was accused of being a spy in London and then hung around to give a few musical performances. He was a prolific composer. He tried to negotiate peace between England and France, despite the fact that no one asked him to especially not the king of France. He was a fascinating dude even before he started telling people he was several centuries old, could control nature, and also had the ability to combine a bunch of small diamonds into a big one. 
He also may have prophesied the French Revolution, but I'm pretty sure anyone with a bit of social awareness who visited France in the 1700s could have called that one. <laughs> and number 10 is Alistair Crawley. Born in 1875, Crowley is the most modern magician on this list. So if you were dismissing all these guys as having lived in the past when everything people didn't understand was called magic, which was pretty much everything because people were stupid, (laughs) well, Crowley was performing magic until his death in 1945. Heck, he created the elaborate system of Thelema Magic, which allows its practitioners to summon spirits, banish them, consecrate places, see the future, travel astrally, and more. Yes, this sounds uncannily like sorcery in Dungeons and Dragons, but Aleister Crowley never shot anyone with a magic missile that we know of. <laughs> Those were crazy. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. I just did more random, unexplainable stories. So, first one. You know on cold days inside your car, you can breathe on the window and draw on the glass? I got in my car, and as I looked at the windshield, I saw a few small baby hands. I thought it was strange someone would let a baby play on my car's windshield. I had an urge to touch the baby prints, and as I touched it, I wiped away the handprints. The handprints were made from the inside of my locked car. That was it. That's weird. Yeah, baby hands. Hmm. Inside. Weird. Next one, I was probably 16 or 17, and I had just gotten home from high school. My brother was in the kitchen making a ruckus, so I started that way. As I passed by his bedroom, I saw my mom in there, sitting on his bed with the lights off, facing away from me and toward the wall. I stopped and stood in the doorway and asked if she was okay and what she was doing. She said really slowly, just sitting here, come here, I need to talk to you. I took about a half a step into the room when I heard my mom yelling for me in the kitchen. And then I saw her setting the table. I looked back at at the bedroom and there was nothing there. Oh, I got chills. I don't think I ever went back in that room by myself again, even 10 years later. Oh, I wouldn't either. Me neither. That's creepy. Okay, next one. Driving from Northern California to Southern California through the middle of the night about a decade ago. I was tired and the scenery along the freeway through the Central Valley isn't very interesting. I remember passing an old silo, looking at my car clock, and it was 3.17 in the morning. I drove some more, passed a power line. It was 3.21. I blinked, shuffled in my seat, and passed that same old silo, and it was back to 3.17. I was in disbelief. I just stared at my clock for a few moments. I drove a little more, passed the same power line at 3.21. I don't know why or how, but I went backwards about four minutes. Never experienced anything similar or since then. Hmm. Weird. Very weird. Next one. This happened around 1991. It's in the middle of the night, and I'm standing in my sister's living room, and it must be a full moon because even though it's around 1 a.m. and the lights are off, I can see clearly. There's a mixing bowl with popcorn kernels in the bottom on the floor in front of the TV and some rental VHSs in a pile nearby. I hear a noise and turn around to see my sister's normally very friendly Labrador retriever looking like Cujo, fangs bared, snarling, hackles raised. Suddenly, there's a bright flash of light and I wake up like I hit the bed from a great height. I think, that was a weird dream. 
Eventually, I fall back to sleep, and in the morning, I call my sister, planning to tell her the story, but she preempts me by telling me about this weird thing that happened in the night. They woke up to the sound of the dog snarling about 1 a.m. Her husband thought there was a prowler in the house, got a gun, and went to find the dog. She was standing in the living room, snarling at the middle of the room. He couldn't see anyone, so he flipped on the light. There was no one there, and the dog instantly stopped snarling and walked back to her bed like nothing had happened. He checked the property and went back to bed. We talked a bit, and I found out they had watched some rental movies, and of course, they had popcorn. Why? Mm. Was that her astral projecting? It sounds like it. And the dog was like flipping out. Yeah, like, what are you doing here? And And you're not you. Yeah. That's crazy. And the dog woke him up, too. So, oh, my gosh. That's weird. Next one, I used to live in a house that was built on old farmland. I slept in a bedroom that had no door, except for the door leading up to the attic, which had a, a little sliding lock on it. Every single night, I'd close the door and lock it. The attic frequently had birds and such get into it, and I didn't feel like having them fly out. Except every single morning, it'd be unlocked and slightly ajar. During the night, I'd wake up and have sleep paralysis. It was pretty frequent, and I got used to it. During said sleep paralysis, a figure would open up the closet and slip out. All black, sort of shadowy, and wearing what I can only describe as a farmer's hat. I'd, it'd stare at me for a moment, just stare. Sometimes it'd take a step over before turning and walking out of the entrance to my bedroom, which lacked a door, but I had set up some some beads. They'd knock together. I can still hear it to this day. I had always been told I had an overactive imagination. I never spoke of it to my parents or family since they'd probably make fun of it. One summer, my cousin came to visit. She took over my room since my family thought she deserved a larger room for whatever reason. She came down for breakfast in the morning, white as a sheet, and said, I could have my room back. When my mother asked why, she told her she had sleep paralysis and saw basically what I had. I had never spoken to her of this. Years later, once we had moved out of the house, my mother told me something. Her bedroom was on the same hallway as mine, and she always slept with the door open. She told me some nights she'd wake up and see a figure pass by the bedroom quickly. I don't really know if this was a shared delusion or what, but it still scares me a bit to this day. How could it be a shared delusion if neither one of them told the other about it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's like unexplainable. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Next one, I was putting my daughter to bed and she was talking about her godmother because we were reading a book that her godmother had gotten her. Her godmother died in 2019 of breast cancer. She was my very best friend, more like a sister, and she doted on my daughter. We were reminiscing about her, and my daughter's twinkle lights she has on her ceiling started going off. They have multiple settings. There is a rainbow setting. Not too weird. Maybe they have a short or something. I go to turn them off. They aren't plugged in. I figure it's my friend saying hi. She loved rainbows. I'm not superstitious, but she promised to stick around and haunt us. (laughs) I find it comforting. Those lights still go off every now and then. Aww. That's sweet. Next one, I was living in Boston. I woke up at 3 a.m. or so by my cat jumping up on my bed and curling in between my calf muscles and going to sleep. My cat would do this every night since I was five years old. This was his spot. It was something I was very familiar with. 
Thing is, my cat was living with my parents on the West Coast, so I couldn't understand what the hell I just felt. But I knew it was my cat. I just figured I was dreaming. I got a call from my parents the following morning that my cat had died around midnight the previous night. Three hours uh, behind since I was on the East Coast. Guess that was my cat traveling to Boston to come see me one last time. Aww. Aww, that's That's sad. Poor kitty. Uh, Next one, I used to have a reoccurring dream as a teenager every night for months. I was sitting at a table on the patio of a restaurant. I was out there alone waiting for my food. A homeless man comes up to the other side of the patio and asks for change. I'm digging in my wallet for a couple of dollars, and then I hear tires screech and look up to see a crash in the intersection near the restaurant. I run out there to see if I can help, and as I run out into the road, I get hit by a car, and I wake up on the, at the impact. After a while, the dream stopped, and I put it out of my mind. Fast forward to me being 28 and sitting at an on-the-border on the patio waiting for my food. A homeless guy comes walking past the restaurant but doesn't stop to ask for change. It makes me think about that dream, though, and I start to feel uneasy. Shortly after, I hear the tires screech and I see the wreck happen in the intersection near the restaurant. I begin to run out there but stop at the sidewalk and look out toward incoming traffic and there's an SUV not slowing down. She was on her phone and blew through the intersection, completely unaware of what had just happened. I run out and check on the people, and everyone was fine. Wow. That's Premonition. Yeah. Next one, in college, I took a hard news slash soft news journalism class where one of the assignments was to write an obituary for one of of my grandparents. My professor told us to write it on a deceased grandparent, and if all of your grandparents were still alive, we had to choose one. Oh, rude. <laughs> In my case, all my grandparents were alive. I procrastinated actually doing the assignment until the night before it was due because it seemed like a morbid assignment. I gave my mom a call and asked her for some basic biographical information about my maternal grandfather. As we were talking about my grandpa's career, my mom couldn't recall the name of one of the companies he had worked at. She lectured me about waiting until the last minute to write the assignment because it was late. <laughs> 10.30 p.m. was uh, my grandpa's time. When my mom called my grandpa, my grandma answered the phone in a panic. My grandma f- frantically explained that the paramedics had just arrived and were performing CPR on my grandpa as he had stopped breathing and lost consciousness. My mom was able to stay on the phone with my grandma until they took my grandpa to the hospital where he was declared dead. In the time my mom and I had been talking on the phone about my grandpa's obituary, he was dying. Oh, my gosh. Still freaks me out when I think about the timing. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Uh, Next one. This past year, my family went on sabbatical in another country. My daughter, who's four, talks a lot about returning to our old house, and something she said recently gave me chills. Daughter, when we go back, can I sleep in mommy's room? Me? No backbone. Yes, sometimes we can have sleepovers, but don't you remember you have a huge bed to sleep in in your room? All your toys are in there, your stuffed animals. Daughter, but that guy, remember? I wake up at night because he's there with me. Me, mentally freaking out. What? No, I don't remember. What man? Daughter, he sits in the corner. He's all black. He doesn't talk. He just sits by me. Me, what, what does his face look like? Daughter, 
He has no eyes, but I think he has a mouth. Me, in shock, well, you can definitely sleep in my room. (laughs) What the fuck is that? Also, how is she so nonchalant about something terrifying in her room? (laughs) Because she doesn't know any different. Oh, poor baby. She's like four. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I would die. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Next one, I was driving about 50 miles an hour, and a car ran a stop sign on an on-ramp and pulled out right in front of me. I remember bracing for impact, and then I was about 300 yards down the highway, and I saw the car at the ramp in my rear view just about to pull out. Ooh. Weird. That kind of reminds me. Have you been watching um, Caught on Camera? No. Well, I just watched the most recent episode. And it sh- it had video. This guy, he owns a store. I can't remember where it was at. But he was out on the sidewalk in front of the store, like, unloading product or whatever. Yeah. And it shows, you know, his back is to the road. Mm-hmm. It shows this guy walking down the road. When he passes the guy on the sidewalk, he taps him on the shoulder and says, look behind you. And just keeps on walking. And when the guy turns to look behind him, there's a truck going past and a like a metal gate or whatever is open. Yeah, it's like hanging out. Yeah, I see Yeah. That. And he like moves out of the way. Totally does not get hit because get, of this guy. Yeah. Who was that? I know. I know. I've seen that before. Oh, my that gosh. I crazy. I got chills. Yeah, because yeah. he just like tap, tap. Yeah, very nonchalant. Yeah, as he's walking by him, he's yeah. like, hey. Oh my god, it's so crazy. And it's caught on camera too. Yes. It's great. I know. It's crazy. I got chills. How did he even know the truck was coming? I know. I know. The truck didn't he wasn't even on that road. It wasn't it, it wasn't anywhere near him. He was gone out of out of the camera shot by the time this the you saw the mm-hmm. truck. It, oh my gosh, yeah. It had to have been his guardian angel. Had to. Yeah, and he's like afterwards, he's like looking around for this guy yeah. because he wants to thank him and he's like nowhere to be found. Yeah, that he he probably would have been killed. Oh yeah. That thing, it was like a big metal like gate, like you said, yeah. like hanging off the end of this yeah, truck. It's like it it's like it was a gate on maybe attached to the truck. Yeah, but and it, it wasn't latched yeah. right. And so when the guy turned the corner. It swung out. Right. And it was like head level to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was crazy. Okay. Next one. Three times in the last year, I have had a strong feeling to comment to someone about a part of their body. I've done. I've not done so because, A, they're people I don't see often. And, B, it would be weird. But a few weeks after, each one of those people were diagnosed with cancer in the part of the body that I felt I needed to comment on. If I get that feeling again, I don't care who it is. I'm going to say something. Yeah. Crazy. I got like a cancer detector. Yeah, really. Tell them. Like immediately. Well, of course you wouldn't tell them at first because you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Seriously. (laughs) You're like, you're, you're, um... I don't know what people get cancer on. Your skin doesn't feel right. Like, what do you say? (laughs) You know? You need to go get that checked. (laughs) We'd be like, okay. (laughs) Weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next one. My wife was telling me a story about my brother-in-law and said the word fire. The smoke detector in the house immediately goes off and there was no smoke, no fire, nothing. 
She's convinced our house is haunted, and I kind of believe it, too. (laughs) That would be weird. It would be weird. Next one. One night, a couple days after my dad passed away, the printer in the bedroom went off all on its own and only printed, quote, hi, dad, over and over in the middle of the night. The computer wasn't on, and the only way I could stop it was to unplug it from the wall. It wasn't a networked printer. My wife and I talked about it for a while and decided it was my dad making one last practical joke. <laughs> I had chills thinking about it for years. Yeah, that's... That is that's like... That's creepy, but... It's sweet, too. It's sweet, yeah. yeah. But yeah, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. I used to have a buddy that lived in the same neighborhood a few streets over. One night, we were having a couple of beers in his backyard while playing cards. I had some things to do the next morning, so just before 10 o'clock, I said my goodbyes and shoved off. It was a short walk, maybe 15 minutes door to door, so I never drove. Anyway, it was a nice night, uneventful trip. When I got home, my roommate was coming out the front door, coffee in hand, and dressed for work. He gave me a funny look and said he thought I was asleep since my truck was in the driveway. I told him where I'd been and asked why he was going to work at night. That's when he kind of laughed and asked if I was drunk. We stared at each other for a minute, and then he told me it was just after five in the morning, and he was going in like he usually did. In my entire life, I have never felt more confused than I did in that moment. I could tell he was dead serious, but I knew I had just left my friend's house. I checked my phone, and sure enough, Five something in the a.m. My roommate left for work. I paced circles in the living room for a bit, then called the friend whose house I had just left. He groggily answered and confirmed that I had left at 10 the previous evening. I have no idea what happened during those seven hours of my life, and it gives me chills to think about it all these years later. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't tired. No one could have slipped anything in either of the two cores lights I had. No known medical conditions that would have caused me to black out, and nothing has happened like it since. I just don't know what happened at that time. Where was he? I, seven hours? Oh my god! That is, it. like, oh my god. Had to be aliens, right? Had to be. Where the fuck was he? That's crazy. That is crazy. Oh my god. Next one. I had my laptop in bed just before going to sleep, not plugged in, on battery. Made an offhand comment on some website about how I wasn't scared of ghosts and didn't believe in them. Then I turned it off and went to sleep with the laptop beside me in my bed. Next morning, when I try to power it on, nothing happens, but the laptop feels unusually unusually light. That's when I realized the battery had been physically removed and placed in the kitchen. Oh, I was all, I was alone in my apartment and do not have history of sleepwalking at all. They're like, so you don't believe yeah. me. Hmm. See what you think about this. Just take this in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a like perfect little like fuck you. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, I'll just take this in there. That's not a big deal. I won't throw it in the ocean like I want to. But. <laughs> Okay, next one. When I was three, we were picking up my grandparents for a Sunday drive. I was sitting in the back seat on the passenger side. My grandfather was sitting in front of me. Suddenly, he keeled over, dead of a massive stroke. As they hustled my little sister and me out of the car and into my grandparents' store, 
I happened to look over my shoulder and plainly saw my grandpa walking down the street with two men. Both were dressed in suits, which made it all the more incongruous. Is that right? Incongruous that Grandpa was wearing the same gray sweater and peaked hat he had been wearing a moment before in the car. There was nothing particularly creepy about the experience, except that I wouldn't accept that my Grandpa was dead because, after all, I had just seen him walking down the street. When our family doctor arrived to pronounce Grandpa dead, my mother asked me if I would take his word for it. We had a very good, trusting relationship with our doctor, so I said that I would. The doctor assured me that my grandpa was, in fact, dead. But he was the only grown-up who didn't treat me like I was crazy. He listened respectfully as I told him what I had seen, and he suggested that maybe the men in suits were angels. This seemed reasonable. Problem solved. But to this day, I can still see my grandpa walking down the street with those two men. And no matter what my parents tried to tell me, it wasn't just a guy who looked like Grandpa coincidentally wearing the exact same clothes he had been wearing in the car. It was him. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Next one. In the same room of my old house, I have been, I have seen a convulsed face floating outside my window. My brother has also seen it too. I saw the same face over a number of, of periods and it would do stuff like smile and float closer and farther from the glass. Our youngest brother a few years later complained that he didn't want to play with the boy in his room anymore as he was getting too much blood on his toys. <laughs> it was the same room. Ew. And this is my last one. When I was seven or eight, I would have a reoccurring nightmare that one of my dolls came to life, played with me, and then would try to pull me into my closet with her. I'd follow her into the closet at first, but then she'd show me this little door at the back of the closet, and my heart would start to race. I don't know what it was about that door, but I knew something bad would happen if I went through it. I'd start to struggle and try to pull away, but the doll was too strong and would start pulling me through the door. At this point in the dream, I'd always wake up screaming. The worst part was I had night terrors, so sometimes I'd wake up standing next to my closet. <laughs> Every night before bed, I'd make my parents make sure that there, that there wasn't a little door in the back of my closet, and there never was. Anyway, I was talking to my mom the other day, and this dream came up. I'm laughing about it and how ridiculously paranoid I was about dolls in that closet, but my mom gets really quiet. She tells me the creepy part of that dream wasn't the doll. It was the fact that there used to be a little door in the back ah, of that closet. I just got chills. But when I was one years old, they remodeled the house and put a wall where the door used to be. There's no way I could have remembered that door, but years later, I kept dreaming about it. None of my friends believe this story, but I swear it's true. Oh, it gave me chills. I know, me too. Those are mine for the week. All right. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up. Did more funny tweets. Okay. The secret to a long marriage in two words, designated toilets. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Husband just called me Orville Rudenbacher because I refused to share my popcorn with him. <laughs> I love puns. That's great. <laughs> and this one reminds me of the story you were telling me earlier about Aaron putting the tote. On oh, yeah. Bench. 
My husband thinks he can just add random items to my junk drawer. And I'm like, hello, there's an approval process. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My dog just yawned while my husband was talking to him. And I totally get it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. (laughs) Me. Are you in a bad mood? Wife. What? No. Me, you sure? Wife, I'm sure. Me, you're cranky. Wife, I'm not cranky. Me, everything okay? Wife, oh my God, yes. Me, (laughs) because you seem like you're in a bad mood. Wife, oh my fucking God, now I am in a bad mood. (laughs) Me, wife, me, I knew it. Oh my God, fuck you. (laughs) Such bullshit. But that's that happens all yeah. the time. It's like people are. Are you in a bad mood? No. Are you sure? I do that to Joel um, all the time. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like to torture my wife by forcing her to watch Doctor Pimple Popper with me while eating dinner. No. <laughs> Ew! I would not stay in that room. No. That wouldn't bother me. <laughs> it it would. I can't watch that when I'm not eating. Oh, I I watched it for a while there. Ooh, ha- no, <laughs> gross. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Went to pay for my Starbucks in the drive-through, and the barista said, "The handsome man behind you is going to pay for yours." I look back and say, "Oh, that's my husband." She said, "That's so sweet. You're lucky." And then my son hollered, "Yeah, you don't live with him. Kids are fun." <laughs> Heartwarming. My husband and my dog are having a competition to see who can be the most disruptive and loud during my work Zoom meeting. (laughs) Husband, have you seen my hair clippers? Me, styling my dog's mohawk. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Holding my wife's phone and typing on my phone. You left your phone at home. My wife's phone. Ding. <laughs> I've totally done that before. Oh, I've done, I've done more than once the holding the phone in my hand. Oh my gosh, where's my phone? Where I can't is find my freaking it. Phone. I know you're talking to someone about how you can't find. I your lost phone. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Dad! Isn't it weird that the word chicken can mean an animal or type of food? My kid on the verge of making a horrific realization. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. (laughs) We've been trying to teach the three-year-old what to do in case of an emergency. Yesterday, we tested her. What would you do if you found me on the floor and you couldn't wake me up? I could see her little brain working. She finally said, I would go into the kitchen and eat anything I want. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so She's definitely not one of those kids you see on the news where they saved everybody. <laughs> I know. Because they dialed 911. Like, Ooh, what do we have to eat? <laughs> I can eat candy now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. My four year old thinks Proud Mary was sung by Teeny Tiny, and she will take no further questions on this. Teeny Tiny. <laughs> 
your foot buddy four-year-old it still hurts me what would help four-year-old maybe donuts we need to try or we won't know this kid gets it fuck yeah (laughs) that's great my last one our neighbor baked cookies and brought some over to us my husband and me have not told the kids one word about them and we've just been quietly eating them it's been like an unspoken connection and it feels like we're dating again That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. You can look us up on Facebook. Um, request to join the group. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. We also need your stories. Anything. We'll take it. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye. We've been trying to teach the three-year-old what to do in case of an emergency. Yesterday, we tested her. What would you do if you found me on the floor and you couldn't wake me up? I could see her little brain working. She finally said, I would go into the kitchen and eat anything I want. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so definitely not one of those kids you see on the news where they saved everybody. I know. Because they dialed 911. Ooh, what do we have to eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. My four-year-old thinks Proud Mary was sung by Teeny Tiny, and she will take no further questions on this. Teeny Tiny.